This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, thank you for joining us on Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you by Red 10 People Development. 15 years. 15 years of highs, but a lot more lows. We've been through 10 managers and 273 players, but the dream has always remained the same. From Ben Sharif to Ben Toza, from Patrick Sufo to Paul Mullin. We've been trounced by Telford, embarrassed by Evsfleet, knocked back by Newport. But instead of breaking hearts, we are now breaking records. A renewed belief, a community captivated, a hope that this will finally be our year. The same old Wrexham, but with a new mentality. 98 points wasn't enough, 107 might not be either. 15 years of pain, sorrow, despair and heartbreak. One win to put it all right. Naif, we are in the position. It's in our hands. Two games left. If we win one of them, Wrexham are champions. A a wild thing to think about. And, you know, I was thinking, I I said this to you before I came on, all those years we've had the chant, E-I-E-I-E-I-O, up the football league we go. When we win promotion, this is what we sing. We are Wrexham, super Wrexham going to win the league and for the first time in really I mean you could say the 98 point season but the first time we've actually got it in our hands Rich as you said one win you beat Boreham Wood on Saturday a couple of days from now at home but we haven't lost all season and we've won the league and that chant we can sing it loud when we win promotion this is what we sing and we will be singing it and and Rich it's an amazing it's an amazing feeling. You know what? And I, I don't want to start on, on too sombre a note, but I have to be honest. And uh, you, you know, I'd hope people listen to this, get the get the most authentic thoughts and feelings that I've got, and, and the same for you. But winning the other night against Yeovil, it was amazing, and you know that that was amazing. But part of me felt very bittersweet about the whole thing um, because. You know, I've met a lot of people over the years, as as of you, I'm sure, and you know, people you sit next to at games, and you meet on away games, and you meet in the pubs, and on the train, and and all these sorts of things, and everyone cares so deeply. 
and and I was seeing some messages this week about people who were talking about their granddad or the dad or the mom or the sister or the brother or the friend who who you know for for a myriad reasons has, has passed away over the over the years and I I just wish every person who'd really invested into the club could get to cherish it and uh, so for that you know I'm very grateful that it, it's come around and you know me my friends and family are able to cherish it but I know that if you're listening and you've lost a loved one on the way to this bit like rich said 15 years of, of despair really you know yeah. you have to say you have to say rich 15 years of, of oh i'm knocking the the what is that that, that blocks the door whatever that is i've just kicked um you know it's pretty much been despair for for 15 years and um so this is this is the good time this is what we've waited for this is what we've pined for this is what we dreamed of and and rich when the pandemic hit when that COVID pandemic hit i i, I personally I, I couldn't have felt further away from from this you know what we've got now and uh I, I, it's just amazing, isn't it? I, I, I hope Saturday goes as planned. I, I really do. And party time. Yeah. Champagne on ice for Rex's potential Aviation promotion. gin on the rocks. That's what I've got. Well, I, I don't know. Did you get one of them? I've got the bottle. I, well, I'm one of those people who got, I'm not going to say duped, but bought a limited edition bottle <laughs> and then they were in Morrison's the next week. You know, I paid <laughs> premium price and postage for that. I've actually got three bottles of Aviation Do Gin. You? I, I went through a stage just getting them as gifts for, for all sort of events, but I'm one of the people, I'm interested if anyone else listening has still got theirs as well. The first one I got is still unopened because I made a promise to myself, I will not open it until Wrexham get promoted. It's been as there now. I. For right. a year and a half, is that nearly two years? And you know, I hope is it being night, opened? It cracked open. Is, I was <sighs> going to say, I'm I'm cracking it open as soon as as soon as I get home and 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 we've done it because, like you said, like you, maybe we spoke about this, but like like you, I got it, and I said this is symbolic of promotion. I'll drink this when we get promoted, and I have to say, after the Grimsby game, I was having to check what's the expiration date on gin. Does gin actually go off? Does it expire? Um, because I was getting a little bit pessimistic again. But we're nearly there. We're nearly able to taste it. We're nearly there. But the focus has to be on the game in hand. We can't be getting too carried away. We can't get distracted by what's on offer. It's very classic Wrexham that whenever there's expectation, a big crowd and the potential for something good, that we often fall flat. So it's a real test of that mentality shift, of that new Wrexham we spoke about. Can we actually finish the job? We have that phrase, typical Wrexham. This isn't typical Wrexham. We are top of the league. We are record breakers. And we're one game away. And we got closer with that win over Yeovil on Tuesday night. Nath, it's sort of been a tale of our season, these sort of Tuesday nighters. I've said before that last year we were playing all the big teams at home on Tuesday nights. And they just felt like big occasions, proper contests. We had Chesterfield. We had Knotts, I think. Grimsby, Halifax, Boreham Woods. They were all sort of top six, top seven sides last season. We played them all on Tuesday nights. This season, we've played the smaller sides, uh, really, uh, under the floodlights at the Kairas. Yeovil, you know, they they did a job on us first half. I thought they were excellent, really well drilled. They were here to spoil the party, to annoy us, irritate the fans. There was tension in the air. There was maybe some fans expecting us to win 3 or 4-0 quite comfortably sort of from early on and assert our dominance. There were others who were fearing that it was going to be all over again and we'd somehow find a way to to fluff our lines. But in the end, our quality showed, didn't it? And I thought it was a fantastic second-half performance. The atmosphere really lifted as well, attacking the tech end. And another vintage night at, at the race course, a packed house, fantastic attack of football and just smiles all around. 
Was I Tetchy at our time? Yes. Were you Tetchy at our time? Were you yeah. in any way worried? Because you'd have to say Foster didn't. I was have rocking much to back do, and forth for my seat. Like I was just. I I, I I'm. <laughs> I'm not in like it's so weird because unless we're winning two or three nil, I'm not enjoying matches at the moment because they're so what's, tense. Rich, and what's your Rich? What's your halftime? What are you doing at halftime? Do you go down to the concourse, stretch your legs out? Do you rock back and forth in your chair? What What do you do? Because I know a lot of people obviously have different routines. I guess. On yeah, I usually just stay, stay in my seat and just think about all the permutations and what could go wrong. And that sounds know, agonizing though. Well, that generally for me, like at halftime at Tuesday, all I could think about was, well, I've got a holiday booked for the playoffs. I can't cancel that. How am I going to watch the playoff final in Japan? How have we not done this? Torquay, we're going to have to win at Torquay. Torquay are good at the moment. I know they got trounced on Tuesday night um, and might be down by the time we play them. But there was just so much going on through my head. I was thinking through every single possibility. I was like, what if that North County win was for nothing? What if Aldershot was for nothing? What if Oldham away was for nothing? Why, oh. why, why, why? And I just overawed myself. I couldn't enjoy it. And then James Jones scored. And I could sit well, back, relax. There you go. And yeah. Well, firstly, that Anthony Ford goal, talk about him. He's been out of the team, Rich. We thought, would he come back in? Would Barnett get shifted over to the left? Well, no, Barnett stayed on the right. Ford on the left. Have to say, he didn't look like he had much of a left foot, but he didn't need it because he scored with his right. Brilliant. And so good to see him. Back in the team scoring goals as well it meant so much to him, and there's been a real outpour as well on, on social media from his teammates, which which says a lot about how highly he's rated and on what they think of him as well. It says a lot about about who you are as a character, how much it means to your teammates, and how delighted they were that he scored as well. You know, he's been going through some personal issues at the moment. He had that compassionate leave to come back in. I, I thought early on. He struggled a bit, but he's playing in an inverted left wing back role. It's right. not suited to him at all. He's a little rusty anyway on, on that sharpness, but he has that that sort of direct energy at goal. He he sort of mirrors what Barnett brings. He he has what Mendy brings to the team as well. It's just that direct running and pace and constant threat. And I love that for my wide men. And in games like that, you can really indulge in it. And yeah, fantastic. And just even to have the go from there, we looked a little short of ideas at times, but that really did set the tone for the rest of the half. It was a, a key moment because the longer we don't score, the more Yeovil grow into the game and you start thinking that they might nick one themselves. So, yeah, brilliant to see him back and says so much about his character, that the the, the reaction of his, of his teammates as well. So, absolutely class. Yeah, and look, he, th- this man is no longer... We, can't, we cannot in any way, shape or form call him an unsung hero now because... All people can do now is sing his praises, and rightfully so. Benjamin Tozer. What a season he's had. You know, the elder statesman, everything. He just seems to make no... I've said this before. He did it a few a few weeks ago as well. Luke Young comes on, immediately gives him the armband. He's just class. Everything about it that he does is just absolutely brilliant. He spoke recently on Cal on FM about mental health. Obviously, I'm very passionate about that. But on the pitch, Rich, I mean, his performances. I thought there were times... On Tuesday night, Owen O'Connell maybe didn't know whether to come or go. You know, Yo, he didn't, wasn't quite sure. Jordan Tom O'Connor, we know, is a Rolls Royce, but Ben Toes has been that constant. And again, we sound like a broken record, but has, has he look? Has he got a legitimate case for Player of the Season? Because there's more to a season than just the goals. I know Mullins been huge, absolutely key to the promotion, but can you make a credible case that it should be Ben Tozer? I think you can. I really do. I think, think you can. can. Because there's been so much change, so much flux there. 
and he's just been that constant in this sort of ever-changing world at the back back line. He's just always there, and he offers so much with his long throws, his delivery into the box, and he is just a leader. He makes everyone else around him better. He helps guide them. He gives other centre-backs a licence to attack as well. He's... Yeah, he's brilliant. I absolutely adore him. His passing's fantastic as well. He always knows how to play one of those perfect sort of, almost like a golf swing. He sort of chips the ball delicately 20 yards, usually to a wide man, and just alleviates the pressure. He He's just so intelligent and reads the game so well. I do think maybe he's going to be that sort of hipster journalist choice we've got to go for where you don't go for the main <laughs> obvious one because... Yeah, it's Paul Mullen. He's been our he's best got, player this season, I think. Look, but... he's got a strike on it. He's not got a strike like Mullen, but I mean, you, the one <sighs> if he would have in front of the tech goal, end. Oh, my oh, God. My, so little, anyone, it... who, anyone who didn't see it, Rich, talk us through it. So he's he's by the corner. It's, it's a corner, isn't it? Or a short throw into the corner. He's on he's on the left side of the box and he cuts Yeah, and the ball, the ball comes back out to him and he just dummies the ball, takes a touch. Lead, a defender slides in and is left on his arse. Toes a, <laughs> takes a touch and then just wellies it at the near post. And their keeper gets a touch onto it and tips it onto the post. Good it would have been fantastic. It, it does feel yeah. like Toza, maybe once every five or ten games, does just un- unleash the Kraken as that famous... I wonder if I wonder if he plays... I wonder if he played at, like, striker or anything. Because the way he strikes the ball is not... I would say not typical. I mean, every defender strikes it differently, but I would say atypical. It's not what I would imagine from a defender. He hits the ball because, clean, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, and he scored one... You know, there's one at home in front of the tech end and... One away, he scored, Eastley, scored goal at Belton. Oldham as well. Remember where he took the touch? Oldham, the right, right, drills it low. But there's yeah. one, at, the one at Eastley is a stunner as well. It's just and, and look, when, when the season's done and dusted, we'll go through maybe some of our highlights, Rich. You know, season highlights, best goals, favorite goals, you know, lowest moment. We'll do all of that, best away day and, and everything, and, and we'll get some of yours as well. So keep an eye on Rob Ryan Red uh, on Twitter, Instagram, robryanred at gmail.com. If you want to email us your thoughts, what promotion means to you, what you know, anything you want to talk about, the black kits that we still haven't seen or anything, get in touch there. And you can find us on TikTok as well. We've got lots of stuff on there. But Rich, yeah, Ben Toza, call it the hipster choice, but I think he, I think you can at least make a credible argument. I'll say that much. He doesn't necessarily mean he wins it, but I think you can make a, you know, a, a non-banal, you know, you can make a real, real argument for him. Yeah. Am I allowed to be nitpicky about one thing? Am I allowed to be? I mean, if I you want to, to be. this promotion party? You can. Please, you can. What, what, please, what? can Elliot Lee practice his corners all week? Because Someone else has got to be. infuriating me. He's Elliot such Lee, a right. good player. He's so technically brilliant, but his delivery has Rich, just... He, he, I'm not sure if he, it's because he's aiming for the... I'm not sure if it's a mixture of trying to aim for the near post with like a low ball so someone can flick it on and there's a real high potential chance of scoring then, but it's a risky delivery. Or if he... I don't know. I don't know. Because he's obviously so technically brilliant and so good at long-range efforts and passing. Just the corners at the moment just haven't quite been clicking. I'm not sure part if that's... Of me, part of me thinks, Rich, is with Tom O'Connor on the pitch, you know, why is he not taking it? I know he's in the back three... And you could argue, well, it'd be too far out of position then if they break. But, you know, surely you can leave a Barnett back or you can leave a... You know, Barnett's not going to be doing much in terms of physicality at set pieces. I just think, or can Barnett take it? We've said this before, but Elliot Lee, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Arguably our best player of the last month. He's and we're still at corners. No, he's, still he's, terrible at, he's terrible at corners, though. He, he really is. He, he's terrible on set pieces for whatever reason. You know, they're just not... They're either going too long, they're too short... And that's okay because he's brilliant at everything else, and and set piece is just not you know it is a specialty. 
Just, Rich, say. you watch. You watch. Uh, sorry, very quickly. You at uh, Man United. You watch Christian Eriksen, right? A set piece specialist. Like that's what he's been known as in his career, hasn't he? That brilliant on set piece. Obviously, good at other stuff, but he's brilliant on set pieces. There yeah. is an art form to it. Just because you're a great player doesn't mean you're brilliant at set pieces. And if you're a not so great player, you can still master a set piece. I think. Yeah, I'd also say I think it's just a massive compliment to Luke Young that he right. was on our set pieces all the time. And since he's dropped out of the team and lost his place, we've lost that sort of threat. I think from from sort of free kicks and and corners. But I love it because I know Wrexham fans will be listening to saying, "How the hell are they being negative?" It, we're meant to be positive on this podcast, but that's me. You know, that is me. I'm sorry about that. Wait, that, was, that is that you. Was that the is one you. thing that was annoying me from Tuesday night was just I felt we could have got more goals, and I'm hungry. I've got this gluttony for even more and. You also, know, Rich, what, I'd love it well, if we scored from a corner on on Saturday to win as a league. That would be sweet direct to, from to a corner. Shut me up. Yeah, that would shut me up, wouldn't it? That'd yeah, if, if, if Elliot Lee scores direct from a corner. Now, a quick quick word as well. I, I I was really chuffed to see Luke Young come back in. I just think his hustle and bustle is immensely valuable. You know, I just I just think he's he's got something that those other midfielders don't have. And you know, you can say maybe technically on the ball, he's he's not got the game that will transcend the divisions. But I just think. He's got immense value to that to the team, and, and you see it when he came in. I th- just think he came on, and, and and just gives you that energy, that bite, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to see him. Hope I can't wait to see him. Hopefully, fingers crossed, everything, fingers toes, everything crossed that he's gripping that gripping that trophy and 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 lifting it. Come whatever time it'll be, quarter past eight on on Saturday night. Also had some special guests Tuesday, Nath. Uh, I didn't get to try the Conor McGregor stout because I went to the My Squin pre-match. I met up with the Manchester Reds. I also met up with uh, Keith Asprey, my dad's friend, who has agonisingly, he's got a season ticket and he's agonisingly booked a holiday which takes him away from this Saturday and up to Torquay away as well. What are you doing, Keith? Um, his friend also said... <laughs> Where is he going? Where is he off to? He was going to the Netherlands and then moving on. I can't remember. I'm so sorry. I'd had a wow. few pints by then. His friend also right. said to me, I sound taller on the podcast. He was surprised to meet me in person for the first time and said, and find out I was only five foot ten. He said I sounded taller, which I'll take. I wonder that. what I wonder what my, I, I wonder I mean I'm a I'm a short man, so I, I wonder if my voice gives off that I'm a short I I don't know. Now I'm paranoid that my voice doesn't sound tall. Do I sound it's, tall? I don't think, but I know who you are. So look, this I mean, is maybe, true. This is this true. This could be a really, if we have a really slow summer, maybe guess Nathan's height could become a new feature <laughs> on the podcast. But oh, we've got enough God. to keep us busy. We, we always sunny gang with their Nathan. Our socials yeah. blew up again. Another plug for them, Rob Brown Red, robbrownred dot com as well. I'm going to quickly interject as well because I know it's annoying. If you are a budding writer or you feel you want to write anything about Wrexham but don't really know how or, or how you go about it. Let us know because we've got robryanred.com and we want to put more content out on there. So if you've got anything you want to write, anything you want to submit, we're very happy to host it our end and give it a platform to, to be seen. So that's maybe one we'll look at in the summer more so. But if you've got yes. anything that you want to write, email us robryanred.com or use the contact uh, button from the website. But Nath, third time asking, the always yes. sunny gang were there. And yeah, I think they will have got the Wrexham bug. Yeah, I mean, I am a diehard Sonny fan. You know, I, I, I think for you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let a little uh, glimpse behind the curtain of the, the rich fake curtain. 
I think if Seinfeld turned up, would that be your ultimate aviation gin sweet guest? He'd got to be. He's got to be up there, hasn't he? If the Seinfeld say, cast just turned up, I'd say yes. I'd say either if we can either get yeah Seinfeld in the aviation gin suite and the Strokes playing a, a show at the race course, then right, that's the then ultimate. That would that would be. I'd die a very happy man. <laughs> well, look, it's not it's not Seinfeld as much as I love that show, uh, and it's not Kramer or any of them, but it was Charlie Day. Glenn Howerton, Rob McElhenney, Caitlin Olson. No Danny DeVita, but pretty much that's the gang. That's the Sonny gang. Um, Mac, D, Dennis, and Charlie. And uh, yeah, I just loved it. It, it. You know, they are amazing. And to see Charlie Day, you know, racing Ollie Palmer and some of the other players in, in the cool down after, is just utterly bizarre, but very normal in, in, in the land of Wrexham AFC now. Um, they were there. They've been obviously doing their podcast tour. I think they're doing a podcast as we record this now. They're also doing one, but live in Ireland. We're not doing arena tours just yet, Rich. One day, maybe. And um, and so they flew in. They they were in the turf beforehand. Rob was behind the bar with Caitlin. And it must have been so surreal for people. Just imagine queuing to get a pint. And uh, you get to the front and you know, you're scrambling for your money and say, can I have a pint of... And it's Rob McElhenney at the pump. I'm not sure whether yeah, I would. I wonder what his pint pouring techniques like. I reckon he's good. All the practice, surely in paddies and that. Even though it's a set, they've been. He must know. They've had practice. Yeah. He must know. And I'm sure, he also strikes me somebody who does. I, I did love that rendition of it's McElhenney. So there you go. So tell us a bit I about that because up. you know you you filmed that and it was because uh, really I don't even think we spoke about that since haven't we? It's been Rob's birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, Rob. Um... Let's hope we can celebrate again on Saturday. But basically, yeah, about five minutes before kickoff, um, yeah, because I got in just then. It was yeah, it was seven forty uh, p.m. on on the Tuesday night. They started playing the Ryan Reynolds smash hit. Uh, it's McElhenney that was released for Rob's birthday across the race course, and I was like, oh, everyone will just kind of laugh at this. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see the reception. Rob comes out onto the balcony. And everyone starts singing along and clapping their hands, and it turns into a full-blown sing-along at the ra- <laughs> at the race course, and it's brilliant. Everyone's smiling, everyone's enjoying themselves, and yeah, I know you could almost be cynical about it and be like, "What is this?" Like, but it was brilliant, and it was just a feel-good start to the night, really, and teed it up brilliantly. And Rob was delighted brilliant. just for this to actually be the reality because they would have thought about this, Rob. Uh, Ryan would have thought about this weeks or months ago, probably, and been like, wouldn't it be funny if we could somehow get the whole of the race course to actually sing that song? Yeah. It happened. It happened. And I've yeah, got it on Spotify brilliant. now. I've added it to my playlist. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, it, you know what, though? Just with them there, the gang there, it, I saw somebody, um, forgive me, I think it was Jonah Devitt, but if I've got that wrong, I apologize. So that, that, that was the most starstruck he'd been. You know, seeing anyone there. I've had Will Ferrell there, Emma Corrin from The Crown was there. Um, you know, loads of other people have, have, have come and gone. and, and so, uh, Yeah, the Wrexham Celtic Chorus. I mean, that, right. it, was, it was so nice as well, just because we saw it in the dock. I know there's a there's a big that sort of theme of sort of watching the football or watching sport with your dad or your family, but just being able to share that with his co-stars, with his friends, these people that he's known for decades now that he spent so much time with who he's just really good friends with and for them to have an insight into his world and and what he's put his time his blood sweat and tears and his money into something that he's so passionate about for him to be able to share that with his loved ones and those who are close to him and for them all to enjoy it as well that that's really nice and it's so nice that that they get that because that is priceless you know right, i might say we've got right. lots of money 
But Rob and Ryan will have had so many priceless experiences that they will never ever forget from. from I wonder. I wonder if that's if if we'll see any of that in an episode, not of the Doc of Sonny, of the new Sonny, because you know they've done the gang go to the Super Bowl, and that's a great episode if you're a big Sonny fan. The gang go to Wales or the gang go to the race course would be. The gang go to Torquay would be quite good, wouldn't it? That that would be good. I I wonder. I mean, they're due to be on Jimmy Kimmel that night, the, the pair of them. So I would be surprised if either of them took but stranger things have happened. Um, but surely we'll see some celebs there at the weekend. Surely it'll be that, you know, that is the day. And if you're any celebrity friend, I don't care who you are, everyone wants to go. You know, surely they'll want to be a part of, like you said, a really special day. And it was cool, actually, to see Glenn Houghton was wearing an 1864 hoodie. So, you know, just unbelievable. And like you say, socials go crazy and it is just wild and like you say if you're a big sonny fan you know we've been waiting for the day to see charlie day and, and glenn howardson and all these and just rob and rob and caitlin together everything about it was great i i couldn't stop smiling when they were there and uh, i know there's some people friends of mine who are saying you know they're hopeful that the circus around them will eventually die down and people will just take it for granted that'll never happen because they're so they're so big time and i know they're very down to earth but it is cool. It is. It doesn't get any less like balmy every time they come over. You know what I mean? And they bring their friends and uh, yeah. And I know. Uh, that, I guess. Um, and also, know... hang on a minute. Hang on. I'm gonna have to pick a bone. though, rich. Charlie Day, beer in his hand. Uh, he, he he was able to drink hey, a beer in the pitch. Don't snitch. Hey. Don't snitch. Don't. Snitch, I'm not snitching. Hey. I'm saying. I'm saying. I'm saying. I'm saying. I want to be. I'm saying. I want to. I'm saying. I want to be able to do that, mate. Because I went Charlie to. Charlie Day. He's Luigi. He does what he wants. Oh, is he in the super, in the Super Mario? I want to see that. Have you seen that? No, you no, no. I, I feel like I want to watch that actually. Before, uh, if anyone has seen that, let me know if it's good or bad, because I want to go. But also, I have to say, Rich, how do you feel about if I go on the cinema on my own? Is that bad? Is that sad? No, is that fine? Embrace it. I mean, you're yeah, saying that's I, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're fine. Do, yeah. Oh no, my it. point. My point about the beer was that I went to. You know when? Who did we play? Farnborough. Was that this season? God, my it feels so long ago. That was this season, right? I thought it was last season. I can't remember. You can't even remember. Farnborough. I did. I did a. I don't know. I think it was, was like the FA second Cup? round of the FA. I think it was like the second round of this season's FA Cup, uh, or yeah, I think it was. Um, we played Farnborough, and I went to watch them at Hampton and Richmond Borough. Oh, you did your scouting in the FA report, Trophy. Didn't you? Yeah. Did like a scouting report. Went to see them. They had the long throw, and they actually gave us quite a good game, didn't they? Before we, but I think we ended up scoring a load of goals, and I think Mullion gets a hat trick in it. In the end, it looks good, but they actually held us out for quite a long time. And when I anyway, I went to watch that Hampton Hampton and Richmond Borough, and you could you could just get a beer, and and have it in the stand. And obviously, it's different the higher up the leagues you go, but very enjoyable. So I would say if they want to change all the rules eventually in the years to come, very much on board with that. Yeah, that would be that would be good if we could push for alcohol inside of the pitch. But I don't think we'll need any alcohol. I don't on think Saturday. it. I think that's no, a very dangerous no, combination. No. Um, so the title race then, Nath. We've beaten Yeovil, like we said, uh, a tough performance. It looked quite comfortable by the end. We were the better team, but, you know, it was it was tricky. Wrexham top of the National League with 107 points, which has already eclipsed the total. Crawley's to- uh, highest ever points total was 105. Wrexham have now beaten that. 112 goals scored, 41 conceded. Wrexham need one win 
to guarantee the title. They might even need less by the time the game kicks off because Notts County are in action beforehand. They face bottom of the table, already relegated Maidstone. But, you know, we struggled there. It's not out of the question. We did. But we did. We do need to just focus on ourselves, don't we? And just get the job done regardless. But, Nave, before... I mean, we'll properly preview Boring Wood towards the end of the podcast, but how are you feeling? Are you positive that this is the weekend it happens? I mean, I, I was I was confident a good few weeks ago, wasn't I? I was telling you that I had no jitters and... I just believed everything was written in the stars. I genuinely just believe that and, and, and fate and it's our turn and and whatever cliche you want to use or, or, or verbiage that you want to use to, to say it. But yeah, I just, I, just, I just, Rich, I just think, I'd say that of all the teams you could be matched up against, we, we're perhaps coming up against the the most, almost the most fiddly to, to navigate because they're always gritty, they're always physical. And and Luke Garrard is a very good manager, in my opinion. Um, and and he is always complimentary towards Rex. Some he has been in his punditry roles, or when he's you know when he's come up against as a manager. So they're they're a bit fiddly. Nathan Ashmore as as the national obsession guys. If you don't listen to their podcast, but they describe Nathan Ashmore, the Borenwood goalkeeper, as the end of level boss. A bit like when Mario has to go and tackle Bowser at the end, Rich, and it's kind of you know a fire pit and. And uh, you know you can you, you get past Bowser and you've won the game. That is what Nathan Ashmore is to the National League in their estimation. So that's who we're facing this weekend. He's very good. I went to the Borehamwood away game. Aaron Hayden scored. It wasn't great from us. It was a bad day. And hell, the year before, Tyler French unfortunately gives away that penalty, and, and you know the title race slips away from us. But not this time. I'm I'm, I'm confident that. Just look at the squad we've got. I mean, it, maybe we won't go on to it. Maybe we will about Billy Waters, but. You know, he can't even get in. He can't, he can't even get onto the bench. Um, so, look, I, I think we'll we'll round it out. I think we'll see Notts County beat Maidstone. We'll have all the cameras out, all the expectation. The trophy will be waiting in the tunnel in case. And and I just don't see... I just don't see us passing it up. I just think Parky's got such a good group. And, you know, from speaking to some of the people connected to the dressing room, they say it is such a good group. I know it's easy to say when you've got 107 points and you're top of the league, but it would also be very easy for egos to get the better of that dressing room, and it just hasn't. It just hasn't, and yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing time to be a fan. It's an amazing time to be a player at the football club, to be involved in any capacity, staff or, or volunteer, and Saturday, I firmly believe we will be champions of the National League. This time next week, Nave. We will be champions. Well, Rich, kind 22nd of, of April. 22nd of April, 1978, Wrexham won their last title. Now, 22nd of April, well, what was that? How many years ago? That 15 years ago, we were relegated at Hereford. So the 22nd of April has got a lot of symmetry in Wrexham history. And April 22nd, the visit of Boreham Woods, we could finally avenge our... Football League XO. It's written, it's written, it's written in the stars. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's written in the stars. Well, we've already seen one title win at Wrexham this season as well. Wrexham women clinched promotion to the Adran Premier with their playoff win over Britain Ferry at the weekend. They 
were given the chance as well to parade their trophy at half-time of Wrexham's win with Yeovil. A really nice moment for them to to have that that moment for a full race course ground again. You know, weeks after they broke the record attendance in in the Welsh domestic game, for them to have another opportunity on a Tuesday night, there was a great chance of chance just around the ground of people chatting Wrexham and Wrexham at them and you know for them to feel a real part of the club as well it's not just some gimmick on the side they are as important to Wrexham and the community and the club as as the men's team as well and brilliant brilliant achievement from from Gemma from Steve from all the staff there and from an exceptionally talented bunch of players who will now go into the top flight of Welsh football and the possibility of Champions League nights oh. at the Kai Ross. Can you believe that? And I watched the game online at the weekend. I know you did well as well, Nath, but we wanted to get some insight from someone who was there themselves. And we are delighted to say that we were joined by a fantastic football journalist in her own right, and she specialises as well in women's football. You probably will have seen it if you follow the Welsh national team. It's Megan Feringa. Uh, she is a bona fide Wrexham fan now as are her family back in the States. Yes, she is from America. She loves Welsh football. It's a it's a complex one, but she was there to watch Wrexham get promoted. And here's her verdict from a fantastic day for the club. So, Megan, you were there to watch Wrexham women get promotion. There's been a lot of talk this week about the possible National League promotion, but Wrexham fans saw their triumphant team at halftime against Yeovil. They were paraded around the pitch. What was the day like? What what sort of celebration was it? Yeah, it was. It was definitely feel good. I think before the game, like any Wrexham fan will know, the nerves are totally palpable. I mean, getting to Newtown first off is is a trek and a half. Um, but the game itself, getting to the stadium and stuff, because the under-19s played first. Wrexham's under-19s played first. They played Cardiff City. And um, they they got outbeaten by Cardiff. Cardiff were very good. They were very clinical. Um, Cardiff's Academy has done a really great job. But... Um, Wrexham can put a little asterisk by that. They had four players who were taken out of the 19s to get put to the senior squad that were playing an hour later. So I think that was testament to kind of how much more pressure was on the senior team to win promotion. That was that was the game that Wrexham really had their eyes on. So people weren't trying to put too much credence into the 19s game, but it was one of those where it's like, oh my gosh, is this going to be a really bad day? But Wrexham is about to be like two losses in a row. Um, but once the game sort of kind of got rolling in, I think the nerves after the first 10 minutes really settled. I mean, anyone who watched the game, you could kind of see Britain Ferry were there really excited about taking away that possibility of of kind of a Wrexham frenzy. And I think Wrexham players themselves looked a little bit shackled sort of by their nerves and stuff. Um, and the fans did as well. I don't think the fans really started showing up to about 15 minutes in. Um, and then once they did, I think both the fans and the team sort of settled into this nice little groove. And it was much better. But the day itself, once it all happened, oh my gosh, it was it was total carnage in a good in like the best sense possible. Um but yeah, up until that ninety-fifth, ninety-fourth minute, oh my gosh. I mean, when the when um who was it? Uh, I think it was Lucy Powell's free kick handed off the um or Delph Morgan sort of tipped it and it hit the post. And I mean, you could feel Wrexham fans going, We're about to do this again, aren't we? Like we're about to blow the lead and we're gonna have to go into extra time or free kicks or or penalty kicks, whatever it's gonna be. So no, it was good. It was a big mix of emotions. A true Wrexham side there, then, invested, leaving his all on. Like I said, 10 seconds to the final whistle there. I suppose it's a good point you made there, that Wrexham, even in the Adran, you know, second tier, that they are still the scalp, aren't they? We've had this record-breaking season, the best team ever at that level, the record crowd, and 
if you're if you play for another team, it's great. It's a great advert for the women's game in Wales. But you must also be thinking, why is it always about them? It must be about us. And I suppose that was the incentive, isn't it? And I guess compliment as well to to Wrexham's players that they did manage to handle the occasion in the end. Because like you said, uh, couldn't have had too many complaints if it had gone the other way. Yeah, exactly. I think anyone who watched Connor's key play um, Wrexham at the race course a couple of weeks ago, it was the same thing. You could see Connor's key were were on a mission, you know, and. And that is exciting. It's weird because on paper, actually, Wrexham going into the game against Britain Ferry, they were definitely the underdogs. It's just very difficult to paint Wrexham as an underdog when they've got as much backing as they do. Um, but for for um, yeah, for Britain Ferry, that would have been probably like the highlight of their season. Obviously, getting promotion, but doing it over Wrexham, it's yeah. They've Wrexham have become. I don't want to call them a villain because there's a lot of respect for them there. But it is very easy to be jealous of them and to be the team that's like, oh, we actually beat them. We didn't let them do it. Like, we're the ones who made sure episode seven of Re- Welcome to Wrexham Part 2 was kind of sad. You know, there, there's a there's a point of pride in that. So, yeah, Britain, fair, fair play to them. They put in a really, really good performance. And a lot of times it looked like they were going to be the ones to do it. But, you know, they, they couldn't convert. And at the end of the day, that's what's important. I suppose maybe your wider knowledge of the women's game in Wales as well. Del Morgan was sensational all the day. Rosie Hughes is the GOAT. You know, she is unbelievable. Where do they rank in terms of the sort of quality of that level and across Wales? Like, how good can these, these Wrexham players be and how far can this team go now they're in the top flight? I think they've, they've got a big challenge ahead of them because I think the women's game in Wales over the course of the last two years has really expanded. It's really grown. Um, the last decade, it's really just kind of been Swansea's game, Swansea City's game. Um, Cardiff Met and Cardiff City have kind of always been in and around it as well. But that's what that's changed. Cardiff City just had their invincible seasons and they just won the top flight. Um, Swansea has sort of fallen off their rocker. Cardiff Met have now just lost their longtime manager and they look a little bit wobbly going into next season. And um, the new Saints, TNS, they're about to offer semi-pro to their women's team and they look like really good contenders. But for me, Wrexham can be competing up there. They should be competing up there, and that should be sort of their challenge themselves. Um, I think if they can put that to Britain Ferry, it was a bit of a smash and grab, I'm not going to lie. But if they can produce those kinds of those kinds of performances where it is a little bit gurney, but you can still get the wind out, win out and you can grind it, oh, 100%, they should be able to not just perform in the top flight and be safe, but I think they should be able to compete for some of those European spots. I suppose that is the question. I mean, they've had this this season where they have been the big fish in a smaller pond in, in the second team, and they have got the money, they have got the backing, but now they're going, you know, into the top flight. They've got to try to disrupt these teams who've been there for many years already. What do you think is a realistic and fair expectation for next season? Is it just to survive and to try and establish themselves gradually in the top flight? I think realistic expectations should be they should gun for top four. I think top four is the one you want. Um, the the women's league is a little bit confusing because it's done sort of in two halves. So the first half is when you, like the first half of the season, they'll compete and whoever's sitting in the top four by the end of that first team, then they're the ones kind of competing for the top. And then the bottom four, they'll be sort of competing just not to get relegated. Um, and I think Wrexham, they they need to be gunning for those top four spots. And I think they can, I really do, as long as they, they put in the support, which I don't doubt that they've got that. And they put in the, the backing and all those kinds of things. I think they can do it. Um, Cardiff City have been they've been training three times a week, which is a bit of an, an anomaly in the top in the top flight. Swans only do two sessions, same with TNS. Um, but if if Wrexham, if they're really serious and they want to start pushing the boundaries, which is what Rob and Ryan said they wanted to do, and and they start having more training sessions and 
and more of those things to really make this team not just an amateur side, then yeah, top four should be a realistic expectation. And for investment in the women's game, uh, when Robin Ryan had the takeover, they set out their, their sort of manifesto, their, their mission statement for what they wanted to do, and they wanted to invest across all sort of areas and, and levels of the club. You know, talk is cheap. Anyone can say that, but to actually follow through and, do, and to do what they've done, to be there, to be present, like for that record-breaking game, you know, to actually have boots on the ground and, and to to put their full effort into it as much as they are doing with the men's side, how important has that been as well? And can you sort of not maybe quantify, but see just how much women's football has been uh, getting more limelight and attention over the last season? Oh, it's huge. I mean, just the race course, the race course game in itself was, was massive. You had Noel Mooney, who's president of the FAW. He was there for the game. The number of people who were in sort of like the, the fancy box, if you will, there was a lot of notable names in that box. And that just doesn't happen normally for a lot of these years. It just didn't happen. And that's what was so great about these two men coming in and, and giving Rex and women the platform they needed is because a lot of times women's football just isn't given the platform. You know, the hunger's there, the appetite's there, but the platform isn't. And that's what they've provided. And now that they've done that, more people are going to start to pour in. And I think as well, they've made other teams sort of sit up and go, oh, crud, like we need to follow in their footsteps. We need to make sure that we don't get eclipsed in any sort of way by the Hollywood fandom that is Wrexham. So no, I think it's I think it's huge what they've done. And then also for North Wales, when you look at the top flight previously, TNS were the only side from North Wales who were competing in the top flight, which is just incredibly sad and, and not and it's kind of an indictment on, on like Welsh football. Like, you know, you've got so much like talent in North Wales, especially in the women's game, and yet only one club was in the north that was competing at the top. And it just wasn't reflective of what actually is there. So what Wrexham have done is made sure that there is not only that club, but potentially a hub to produce academy, produce talent. And that's what a lot of people at the club are really excited about. I know Gemma Owen has been talking about bringing in the academy system and and making sure that it's something that's going to be stably run. And I mean, even like Amber Lightfoot and Rosie Hughes, we're talking about the youngsters that are coming up. And it could mean that Wrexham aren't just sort of a flash in the pan moment for the next two years. It's they're really going to be a big force to be contended with. So no, it's huge what they've done. It'd be great as well with the race course renovations if we can have some women's international matches up, up in the north as well. I always feel that that could be, you know, something that can put Rex on the map as well. If that is the home of, of even women's football in Wales eventually long term. They've got to dream big. And like you said, there's also the carrot in the stick that there could be Champions League nights back, you know, well, not back, but European nights back at the, the Kairas. Uh, and before we did this interview, you were mentioning that, you know, your experiences of watching Rex in the season, uh, the race course is a very special ground and I just maybe want to indulge in our own sort of excellence. What has it been like uh, as, you know, relative newcomer to, to Welsh football and to the whole Wrexham experience, what's it been like following both the men's and the women's teams? Oh, it's, it's been wonderful. Um, yeah, obviously I'm not from Wales as my accent sort of suggests. Um, I'm very much American, but I think my story is probably very similar to most other Americans. You see Wrexham, you see this kind of latent underdog story, but also this like behemoth from the past, you know, sort of knocked down at its knees, forced to go down underground. And now it's like kind of trying to come back. And I think every human being can register with that in some way, shape or form of that happening in their own life or some sort of point in their life they felt in some way like Wrexham. Um, so it's been really cool. And I mean, for American sports star or sports followers, we don't have something as extreme as relegation 
you know, our sports occur in a very safe environment. There's, if you, if you lose at the end of the season, you get your next best draft pick and that's it. Whereas in football, there's so much jeopardy. If you lose, your community suffers, your club suffers. There are people who lose their jobs. There's all these things that happen. And as mu as weird as it sounds, like the extremes are actually something that makes me love football more because the highs are so much higher because the lows are so much lower. And with Rex, I'm, oh my God, I didn't know lows could go so low and highs could go so high. All like all within one 90 minute game too, which is just insane and like really bad for your emotional health. So I think that's one of the main reasons why I've come to really enjoy this club is, is because to me, it really epitomizes the extremes of football in the best way possible. But it's like as much as the passion of the fans, I mean, the fact that Wrexham have been in the National League, the men's side, at least for 15 years, the women's had to get in 2016, like they folded because of all the hardship and they're still here and fans are still turning out in their droves. I mean, if that doesn't get you fired up, I'm not sure what does. So yeah, that, that's been my favorite part. Yeah, Yamal Heed, welcome to Wrexham. I suppose as well, you also mentioned all your family now care about Wrexham. What's the reception been like as well stateside? Surely you must know people who didn't really even care about football beforehand that might have an interest now because of Robin Ryan. Yeah, most most of my immediate family would probably qualify under that, like, other than my brother and my dad. My sister actually lives in Philadelphia. Um, she's lived there for about two years now, and she has slowly seen like Wales, fan, Wales flags and Wrexham flags just sort of start to appear around the city. She actually has a bucket hat that I bought her and her boyfriend and they're big runners. So they run around um, Philadelphia all the time wearing their bucket hats as part of the team. And now the whole team runs with bucket hats on. So I, I, it's, it's really cool. Like Wales has sort of become just sort of the go-to second favorite team of everyone in America, which is such a big deal in terms of putting not just Wales on the map, but Wrexham on the map. And and yeah, I mean, there's there's so many more avenues to go down in that term, like outside of sport, but no, it, it's it's amazing. And Americans, like I said earlier, we can really identify with Wrexham in a way that's different than every other American sport or like, you know, most Americans there. We're really proud and we're always sort of the, the top dog. That's always how America sells itself. And Wrexham is the underdog that we actually quietly really identify with and maybe wouldn't do it so outwardly. So yeah, that's like, that's how I've experienced it anyway. I guess the final question. We've seen more Rex and promotion. Will we see two? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Saturday they'll they'll do it. After after Yeovil, I'm I'm a hundred percent positive that they'll do it. Um I say that I'm actually incredibly nervous and I'm sure you are too. So So Nath, Wrexham in the top flight of the women's game, potential for another promotion this weekend as well. You're confident, Megan's confident. It's just a real good time, isn't it? And I've said this before, whatever happens and if we get promoted between now and next season, it'll be massive if we get promoted. It means so much for the community, more revenue, better away days, hopefully better quality of players, better product on the pitch as well. But to be going to the race course, a full house, the hottest ticket in town, everyone just enjoying themselves, it just doesn't get better than that. Whether you're in the Premier League, whether you're in the Championship, whether you're in the National League, just to watch Wrexham in front of a packed house, everyone there because they love the club, is brilliant. And we were joking, I was speaking to Lewis, who I sit next to, and he said, and I kind of forgot about this, but we were playing on a Champions League night, and traditionally, 
when it was a Champions League night, attendances would plummet at Wrexham. You'd, you'd lose a few hundred, if not a thousand or so, off the attendance if it was choosing that game and it was Champions League. But that wasn't even sort of a second thought. Everyone just wanted to be there to watch Wrexham, the hottest ticket in town, and it almost kind of doesn't matter what league we're in. I know the ambition is to go as high as we can, but just to have that feel-good factor and for everyone to be so invested in the team again is just brilliant, isn't it? And and that goes for the men's and the women's side. Yeah, a lot. And, and a quick word on the women's team. So chuffed for them. I'm, I'm really, like I say, I was emotional when, when they won at the race course and Blake Lively and everyone was there. And yeah, and 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 I'm sure they will get their flowers in the in the documentary this time around. You know that they've had such a big story to tell this season. They've been flawless. You know that they've they've been absolutely phenomenal. And um, yeah, I, I so I was really chuffed to see them go up. And Rebecca Pritchard as well. The narrative, Rich, of you know her and Del Morgan. Del, there were chance of you know um, Super Del Morgan in goal, and just brilliant. And the next day on the radio. You know, uh, Kim, Kim, the captain, and and Dale and Rosie and all these people. You know, people were calling them up saying, "Can I speak to you? Can I interview you?" They were making national media, national newspapers, and we know how hard that is to do. But and I, and I had this debate in work actually on the way home today before I was coming to record this. And a lad at work, he's a, he's a Tottenham fan, and he was saying, "You know, you look up and down the pyramids. There aren't many teams that actually any many fan bases that really enjoy." their seasons because you get a load of teams in mid-table you get those in a relegation scrap where you lose more than you win and there's very little enjoyment is sought from a relegation battle sure if you survive you get that momentary high if you win the title sure but there are only a couple of teams that are ever winning anything each season and right now you think okay well you take all those teams there's not a place right now in my opinion i know we're biased but there's not a place right now more fun in kind of the football league than you know, you can you can say Plymouth, or you can say Ipswich, or Sheffield Wednesday are on the rise again, or or Burnley, or whatever. Whatever. Leighton Orient are back up in the third tier for the first time in what eight years. Rex, I mean, Wrexham might be the funnest place to play football right now, and players know that, and players want to join, and and I think that's partly why you look at someone like Billy Waters, Rich. That's why he's happy to come in. It's super fun to be. It's super fun to go to work every day. You know, he might not even be getting involved. He might not even make the bench. We predicted that a few weeks ago, if you if you, if you listen back. But we said he may not even make the bench this season and does not like he has. Maybe he will at Torquay. Maybe he will at the weekend. But it's super fun. And, and everything about it is super as well, fun. Isn't there now? Like we, everyone speaks about sort of Wales away and just following Wales, how there's been this rejuvenation over the last decade and just over a decade as well of, of the, the revival of the national team. But there is a real sort of culture around watching Wrexham now, a match day routine, a real thrill about the places, places to go, nice places to get food and drink, a unique atmosphere. And it's just brilliant. It's inclusive. It welcomes families. It welcomes everyone that you can sort of imagine. People from communities that wouldn't traditionally maybe come and watch football, people who previously maybe didn't even have an interest in football. And it's brilliant to see. It's just a real good feeling at the moment and these are the glory days that's what i've been trying to tell myself i was trying to tell myself this on tuesday night when i was just so worried and anxious i was like why should i be because <laughs> like i said we're watching wrexham in front of a packed house this is all I ever dreamt of and we're playing good football we're winning let's just enjoy it whatever happens you know just enjoy the ride and, and see what happens but nay for big part of wrexham's future isn't just this promotion push 
it is the re redevelopment of the COP, and there has been some movement on that front this week. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we mentioned, didn't we, last time about that there's obviously been a been a commitment from the council to 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 deliver the cop basically you know to to we didn't get the government funding and look there's there's people have had their thoughts on that and you know how is this 5500 capacity development going to going to go ahead and look the council we said didn't they a substantial amount you're talking a 25 million welsh government grant you know substantial amount or or, or it's at least a substantial amount of that 25 million grant you know part of it will come um, I think Mark Pritchard, the, the council leader, was saying that the rest of the money will come from a partnership. We've speculated before, haven't we? Is that going to be a, a naming rights thing or is that just going to be some kind of tie-in? Look, there's a lot of people that want to get involved with Wrexham. And, and also you think the, the money to regenerate the cop will, will not only go into that building, but in terms of the local railway station, the infrastructure around it, everything is supposedly being streamlined. And you're talking about the promotion. I mean, that's amazing in, in and of itself. But the club is going to regenerate players will come and go you know i'm sure parky's going nowhere but you know a lot of things will change one of which will be the stadium when we'll get a four-sided stadium again brand spanking new and um yeah the, the the council's commitment i think is a sign of how much they want to keep the momentum you know keep the momentum momentum is a big thing in football and uh and you can lose it quickly and it's hard to build up ahead of steam and what wrexham have now is uh, you know a runaway a runaway train basically Exactly, and you know it brings so much as well into the community and the whole town, like I said, the whole region on match days, and even just day to day now is just rejuvenated. It's global, so you need to capitalize on that. And there's already this argument, isn't there, that as soon as we build the cop, there'll be growing demand for a renovation to another stand or for the quadrants to be filled in. There's just so much demand, and like you said, it's just about maintaining that that now by keeping it. And of course, to contradict myself. When I say it doesn't matter what league we're in, getting promoted certainly helps <laughs> to build that momentum going forward as well. So hopefully we can have that positive uh, development on the cop. Nath, a quick one that I didn't warn you we were going to talk about, but I'll throw you under oh. the bus and do it anyway. How Robson Carnu to Wrexham? What's your thoughts on that? He looks like he's been, I believe the term is twerking for a move to Wrexham. He's been tagging Ryan Reynolds. He's been replying to his uh, post. That, saying, uh, that is an image. That is an image I don't need. That is an image well, I don't need in my head. Hal Robson twerking. I, well, that is... He'll come out of retirement and play for free next season, donate his wage to a charity of the fans' choice. It's admirable, it's nice, but it does seem like he just maybe wants to grow his own profile. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm low to say it because I, I, I like Hal Robson Khan as a player. He delivered me one of my favourite ever footballing moments. You know, in terms of international football... You know, his Cruyff turn against Belgium, absolutely famous, you know, iconic stuff that gives me goosebumps every time I watch it. Do I want him to sign for Wrexham for a whole season? No. Can I say that? Is that all right? Am I going to get absolutely lampooned basically for that? I don't know. But I feel like I don't want Hal Robson-Carney to come into Wrexham. Look, you know, what I want to see now going forward is young assets that, will appreciate in value not because we, i think we we're going to going to become this selling club but it's always better as a business model to have assets that appreciate rather than depreciate and you know i looked at oh, i look at tom o'connor ryan barnett max Kluwerth, you know players like that 
that I think their value can soar. Aaron Hayden. All players I want to keep, don't get me wrong, but building blocks for the future. Hal Robson-Cano, I mean, is is that he's obviously a great player, but is that what we would he, need he and want? Start? Uh, he wouldn't start I, for us. He I mean, wouldn't go no. on the bench, debatably, sometimes, but... You know, that, and that, that's been the the real fine line we've we've had to run this season as well, isn't it? We've said throughout the start that Parkey, as as we know, as Sean Harvey told us, that he doesn't have an interest really in loan players. He prefers to have permanent additions to his right. squad. But we've also had to go down this line, and Ben Foster was the perfect marriage of someone who worked commercially but also brought great value to the squad. But I was skeptical. You know, I was skeptical. Oh, I was skeptical as well, and I have to, I have to hold my hands up. I was, and I mean, no one could see me holding my hands. It's a podcast, but um, for the record, I am holding my hands up. Um, you know, I, I was. You, you heard it, and we got some comments that I was being very cynical, and I wasn't in the best of moods that day. I'm not going to blame that, but um, I was, I was, I was a bit skeptical. And I know he gave an interview the other day saying, you know, uh, an extra hundred and fifty thousand subscribers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you have to say he's brought immense value on the football pitch. You know, he has exceeded what I expected. Maybe I was under underselling what I thought he would provide in terms of the football inside, but I'm more than happy to have misjudged that one. I really am because he's like you say, he's the perfect marriage for for that commercial side and for and it, you know, it, and we're as beneficial to him as he is to us. So will he stick around? I don't know. Everyone seems to want him to and I'm still unsure if he will do that. But you have to say that it's been a rip roaring success that, that this, this deal and you know i'm glad that i was maybe slightly off kilter on that one nice to be proven wrong isn't it and yes, yes for a change. and also talking about being proven wrong rich we actually had a message you can you can, like i said you can dm us you can email us someone uh pointed out kindly rich you know you were calling what did you call a, a o'connor the court cannavaro i know some kilkenny if you're going to point this out uh, well, it, that, well it, some, didn't, it didn't. It didn't work for alliteration. Well, well, somebody said, "Look, somebody said actually, O'Connell is the court Cannavaro, and O'Connor is the Kilkenny Beckenbauer, okay. which is not alliterative, but is factual." So, okay, factual. I, I said I would pass the message on. I've passed the message on. So, Mark, thank you very much for t- letting me brush off as, me as being wrong, off. and I can tell Rich uh, as a telling off. So thank you very much. But yeah, get in touch if you want to uh, chat because we're getting to the off season. Rich will be away and we can get into loads and loads of different questions uh, in the next few weeks. So we've spoken about this final home match of the season then. Boreham Wood, a team who are tricky to play against. We know all about their dark arts. We know, as you said, about Luke Garrard. We know about Jamal Firefield. As we get into in this chat, Boreham Wood have the 15th best home form this season, but the fourth best away record. They are a team who are tricky to play against, who have been relishing the opportunity to go away to teams and to spoil the party, to roughen them up. And that's exactly what they'll try to do on Saturday. Ahead of the game, I caught up with friend of the podcast, Brett Lewis. You might remember Brett. He was on the pod last summer, gave us the insight on Jacob Mendy after we'd signed him. He gave us the lowdown. He will be in the press box this weekend. He'll be writing the match report for Boring Wood. He's also the author of Amazing Journey, which is all about Boring, Boring Wood's rise through the leagues. And yeah, we caught up with him to get his thoughts on what could be the coronation day. So, Brett, I suppose the best place to start then is what has the season been like from a Boring Wood point of view? Well, it's been very good. We are 
on the brink of the playoffs. We're not quite there yet. We've got three games left and we're sort of sitting in sixth place. Uh, one win will guarantee it in those three games. Or we might even get away with getting in the playoffs if we don't win any more games. But then suddenly the momentum that is lost. But no, I mean, ultimately, yes, it's been good. It's been, yeah, probably as good as it could have been, I think. Yeah, if you look at Borowood's former season, then traditionally a team that have been tricky to face, you've actually only got the 15th best home form in the division, but the fourth best away form. Is there any reason you can sort of put on that? I can't really put my finger on it. All I can say is we are, I think we are set up definitively very well and play quite a lot on the break. And I think quite naturally, the away, quite actually sort of playing away from home, it kind of suits that style of football, I suppose. That's the only thing I can actually think of. And I think also they thrive sometimes in playing in front of large crowds and larger crowds. And with respect to Barnwood, it's always going to be one of the lowest crowds in the league. So I think the players tend to thrive in that sort of environment. Like for instance, I expect them to thrive on Saturday. That's not what I want to hear, yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose then, so it sounds like your, your tactical approach, Bournemouth's tactical approach would be to sit back, soak up possession, play the villains, do the dirty work maybe, get the crowds on Wrexham's back and then try and do damage on the counter. We've got the best defence in the league in terms of goals conceded, I believe. So that's, uh, that probably sort of sums up the way we play. Defend first and, you know, anything else is a bonus, I suppose. And... I think for sort of one-off games, that could work quite well. Hopefully it will do if we get to the playoffs. Uh, in terms of that approach, I mean, the dark arts have often been associated with Boreham Wood. Is that still very much maybe a, a style of play? They know how to, to be effective at non-league level. Yeah, I think so. We know how to be effective. We can't sign the Paul Mullins of this world, unfortunately, or we could, they're just not in our budget. We've got to find another way, I suppose. Uh, you mentioned there, uh, heading into the weekend, you sound quite confident that you might be able to spoil the party. Well, actually, yeah, I mean, I have to be confident. I'm, to be honest, I'm confident. Yeah, obviously, why not? Obviously, why we can't turn up and play well. I think we've gone to Notts County and played well. We've got a one-all draw there, and you know, somewhat in the game might say that we could have won at the end. Uh, I know we drew there in the corresponding fixture area of the season. I think it was quite an even game at our place. So yeah, I'm hopeful. I know it took, uh, I know it took you quite a long time to break down sort of Yeovil last night. So uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it will take even longer to break us down and we can snatch something on the break. I had some good clashes with Boreham last season. I think of the, was it 4-2 at the race course, Scott Bowden was the pantomime villain. Of course, there was also yeah, that awesome. moment where Jamal Fifield, a former Wrexham player, scored the winner at Stockport and almost gave us that, that, that glimpse back into the, the ties have race as well. Yeah. How is Jamal Fifield getting on as a former Wrexham face in that Bournemouth defence? Yeah, he's doing very well. He's a great servant of the club. He's been with us a few years now. Oh, very solid at the back. I know he's been injured a bit recently, so uh, I think he's going to be back for sort of Saturday, whether he's going to start or not. I mean, he hasn't started his last couple of games. I mean, our defence is so good at the defence seems so good that as soon as someone drops out, it seems very difficult for him to get back in. Who are the replacements doing well? 
Who are the stand-up players then? Who are the players that Wrexham should be worried about and, and could cause them damage? And of course, you've got Ashmore and Goal, who is you know one of the best yeah, in the league. Um, yeah, I think it, I think Ashmore's very good. Uh, obviously, you know if you have to get if you get past the defence, you have to then get past him. So it's just exactly it's just one of those things. But I think our defence is good. Our back three works very well. Uh, we have we tend to play with wing backs. Uh, it's hard to pick out. I mean, it's very difficult to pick out a standout player and say, "Yeah, he he's our number one, or he's the one that is going to cause you the most problems." But uh, I think it's very much a team effort. If I'm honest, okay. you could almost take most of those players out, put someone else in, and there sort of wouldn't be many sort of changes. I think there's not one standout player, obviously apart from the goalkeeper. I'd say, you know, obviously. Last, your last away day then of the season, potentially then there could be one in the playoffs. Like you said, it does seem that you should have the the playoff spot quite secure. You should still be able to get get, get into the, the top seven, as it were. How are Bournemouth fans feeling ahead of the playoffs then? Do you think that there's a good chance that they can, can go up this season or the inevitability that you know either one of Wrexham or Notts Council will be in there as well makes it very tricky? I think if you just go back a year ago, I think Brims and Rex have missed out to Stockport. There was that sort of inevitability that they would then go up in the playoffs. Of course, it didn't happen as we know. Oh. So I don't think there's any inevitability about the playoffs, to be honest. I just think it's it's almost a lottery. It was almost quite unfair on the likes of Notts County, so whoever comes second, that you can get over 100 points from a team that finishes 30 points sort of lower and you can go up instead of you, you know. But I think that's the way it is in the playoffs. Yeah, well, it sounds like it, the playoffs could suit Bournemouth, though. I mean, potentially, even if they finished low enough and didn't have to play at home at all, that maybe wouldn't bother them whatsoever. It could be, I think. Yeah, I think uh, if we are going to come unstuck, I think our lack of goals this season will will probably be our Achilles heel, if I'm honest. But that, but I suppose what we've got to do is score one or two, and then we very rarely hit the mid, so... I suppose then that brings us neatly onto the last question. Do you have a prediction for Saturday? I'm going for 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Champagne on ice then. You heard it here first on, on Rob Ryan Recipe. Yeah. The full said. Perfect. So, Nath, he's predicting a draw. Maybe that champagne will have to wait till Torquay. It's not the note we wanted to end the podcast on. Can no, Nigeria's up God, again. No, yeah, no. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to politely disagree with our friend of the pod. There, it, too much is set up. I mean, look, I've seen it happen in other sporting events where the where the confetti cannons are loaded and and the banners are ready to fall and they're ready to drop the balloons and they never do. And uh, look, it happens, but. I I just can't see it, you know. And I've been optimistic for a few weeks now, and I was way off with my Halifax prediction. And you know, I was I think I said four two for Barnet. Right, I've had some shockers recently, but this is this is the race course, Rich. This is Fortress Kairas, and uh, what we've achieved there this you season. Went, you almost went full Roy Keane there. This is Manchester United we're talking. This about. is Man- well, I'm not. I mean, I've I've got a I've got a slightly less grey beard than Roy Keane, so I hope you're not uh, insulting the old beard. But that was look, a dreadful impression. I I I I tried to brush over it. I didn't. I really didn't want to. I really didn't want to pull you up on it. Should we just move on? Let's just keep. I'm just going to keep talking, and we're going to pretend that you didn't didn't just try and impersonate Roy Keane. Um, I would say I think we're going to win, Rich. I think we're going to win three one. And 
like I said to you before about if we get the, an early goal, then their whole it's not game even plans it's not even it's not even that. Is I just think the options are there, and for me, I would I'd load the bench. I'd do two strikers. I'd we're not going to need. I, I just don't think with the formation we played, we don't think we're going to need to shut up well, shop. We need You've to got, win one game, don't we? So you might as well right, just ha- go go all camp. out, man. Just yeah. go all out, and it will be. We've dreamt of this party and what it might be like and what it could be like. And who knows, you know, would we ever get it? What would it be like for years, for over a decade, for 15 years? It's it, it, potential. The invites have been sent out and there's not enough room. There's not enough room. There's not enough RSVP. spots. In yeah, the RSVP is full. There's, there's too many people we want to go. Okay, here's one for you then. And I know the answer is it doesn't effing matter as long as someone does. But who would be your dream goal scorer to win the goal that that gets us promoted? Luke Young, without a shadow of a doubt. I, you know, I make no secret on this. Jordan podcast Davis, of, maybe. Yeah, I'd, 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 you know what? That, so that those two, I would love. Jordan Davis, the local boy, that would be really poetic. Luke Young has suffered so much with his football club. He, he was, he's been here. He suffered with it. That would be a great story. Mullen would obviously be great. You know, he's he is the talisman. Ultimately, I mean, it could go in. Who gives an F? Yeah. I mean, the ultimate goal. The, the ultimate goal I would love is a 90th minute overhead kick from Ben Foster in front of the Tech End. If we're if we're like an Allison at West. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would if we're being picky of my ultimate goal. That is what I would like. I'm I've got a feeling. So I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But I think the the player will score the I've goal to take us up. It'll be I've Sam Dolby. Ollie, I think Sam Dolby will Ollie fire Palmer. us up. You think? Yeah, we'll see. Let us know if you let us know between now and Saturday who you think will score the goal that gets us promoted. And we're not saying it's going to be Saturday. It might be Saturday. It might be Torquay. But who do you think is going to get the goal? Because that will be the quiz question in years to come. You know, who fight? I, obviously, not one goal, but who gets the goal? And uh, I'm going to go with Sam Dolby. Elliot Lee's a temptation as well, but I would love it to be Luke Young, and I would love it to be Jordan Davis, one of those two, because yeah, that would be even more special for me, as as special as it already is. Yeah, they've got to go and do it now. Let's not get got too it. carried away. No. Wrexham against Wood. If they win, they are the champions. They are back to the Football League. 15 years of pain. One match to change it all. Nate, thank you very much for joining us once again on Rob Ryan Red. Thank you very much. And as always, quick shout out. Thank you all for people who submitted Spotify comments. I have published them, so you'll be able to see your comments. So if you want to write it and you want to see it appear on Spotify for the world to see, do it. You can just file. There's a Q&A whenever you click on the episode. You can click, hit comment, and we can publish them. And uh, yeah, do that. Keep doing that. It's uh, fun to see everyone's reactions. And thank you very much, wherever you are in the world, for listening again. Let's hope next week's will be even more enjoyable and a word of note that if Wrexham do complete the job this weekend we probably will be back much earlier than usual to give you a, a, a sort of snap reaction to whatever happened this Saturday as always please do leave a like and a comment and tell someone else about it if you haven't already that's the best way to give back to the podcast and to, to help us grow once again a massive thank you to Red Temp for development your support this season has been incredible without you the podcast wouldn't exist anymore and a massive shout out to Wrexham bass band Hypnotic as well. The Wrexham way, maybe it's about to change. Take care. We'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. 
all your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.